0: And welcome to a Time Shifters Podcast Special Edition. This special edition was supposed to be a little bit more special because it was supposed to come out several days ago, and that didn't happen. This is all about the Cincinnati Comic Expo that, that just took place this past September 20th through the 22nd. This was another fantastic year. This was the 10th year of the Cincinnati Comic Expo. We've been going to it since year one. I have only missed... One, I think. Maybe two. Definitely one. But otherwise, I've been there every year, and every year it gets better and better, and it's just more and more fun to go down and see everything that they bring in. My good friend Tom Briner had such a great time last year that he came back this year to join me, and you're going to hear some recordings of the two of us on the convention floor Discussing everything that we we're looking forward to, and every, some of the things we've seen. We took in some of the Q and A's. You're, you're going to hear some from. We met up with some other friends that were that came up and and visited the expo. It was just an all around great time. It was a great weekend. Special thanks to Tom for coming and joining me. It was really a lot of fun. And I think with that, probably is as good a segue as anyway to go ahead and just start with our first recording. This is Tom and I. We have literally just walked in the door. All right. We have just walked through the doors at the Cincinnati Combat Expo a little early. I mean, it is like 930 in the morning. We are we are VIP, Tom. We are. We are totally VIP. Uh, I should uh, mention we are here. <laughs> I am here with Tom once again. We had so much fun last year that I invited him back again to join me on Time Shifters for the Expo.
1: Wouldn't miss it. Love and- it.
0: This, is a, this was a good time last year. It was. I'm hoping for a repeat this year. Absolutely. I don't know if I'll do the uh, $40 for a photo op thing again, <laughs> but,
1: but, you know, summer glow didn't come
0: back. No, that's true. <laughs> and that, that came up in my, uh, you know, On This Day feed or whatever. It was a good photo. So you, you got your money. I did. I did. I love it. Now, uh, we've had a chance to kind of go through some of the guests and, so, you know, to go through the uh, Cincinnati Comic Expo app to see what's going on or anything. Yep. Is there anything that really kind of jumps out for you this year uh as we were discussing earlier uh the the guests list
1: is a little eh, but uh there are still some decent ones in there uh gets back to our conversation around uh um the cost of things uh the way right. comics cons used to work versus how they work now um but otherwise uh there's a nice mix of stuff going on here uh we were even discussing the whole, um, though. But panels might be a little light, so.
0: Yeah, I have to double check. I have to go through because I, I went through and I was like, "Oh, there doesn't seem to be all that many Q and As today." But yeah. there, I, I have to think I must have just been missing them because that could be. It's a fairly robust app. You yeah. You get
1: lost in there pretty easily. Attention,
2: exactly. attention! The show floor is now open <laughs> for the VIPs.
0: There you go. See, it's official. We're it here. It is official, and they have already started coming in. So. Um, as far as the me- the media guest, which is, I'll admit it, I'm not the comic book hey, fan hey. that I certainly used to be, and even when right. I was, I still wasn't the kind of fan that was like, oh, that guy, or that woman, that artist, you yeah. know, that writer. You're still a little bit more into the comics. Uh, I, Have you looked at the at the guest list on the actual comic I, uh, I'm front? afraid I
1: gotta catch up on the guest list, but uh, some of the ones that were out there uh, were interesting, but I too am getting older. Um, it's more my son reading stuff. So the artists and writers that he cares about are, are far foreign to me. So right. I, I'm back in the days of Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and all that, and they're just not cycling these days.
0: Right. So yeah. I do know they have a couple here that are like what you consider like you know cl- the classic artists. You know some of these guys help create things like Captain America or Greenland, oh, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but even those are kind of like, well, wow, that sounds cool. <laughs> I don't, I'll admit it. I don't know anything. <laughs> I can't go uh, more than that. I got to
1: admit the one that kind of fascinates me is the guy, the voice actor who played Shipwreck in the G.I. Joe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <cartoon>. <laughs> they do have a lot of voice actors. To uh, they,
1: they do have a lot of voice actors, but he's going to appear here in Shipwreck costume. <laughs> That's where you. <laughs> I, I can't. That's, okay, yeah. you
0: have a claim to fame. I, Roll with it, man. I
1: know, <laughs> totally. Yeah, no. The pictures of him online, even in his shipwreck costume, are just too funny.
0: And that sounds like it's prime photo opportunity. Absolutely. Right there. If I absolutely. have a chance to have a picture taken with shipwreck, I'm gonna take my oh, picture yeah. with shipwreck.
1: Oh, and uh, back in Baltimore with my friends, I've got some friends that are big into He-Man and and GI Joe. We had a big online nerdgasm over these uh, these rugs that they're now producing um, and so yeah any opportunity to get back in
0: on the 80's cartoon stuff is uh, high on my list right yeah some of the media guests though they do have here are some big draws they got uh, a, four cast members from Firefly which is yes. always a good draw yeah that's a nice they got Alan Tudyk Marina Baccarin, uh Jewel State and uh, Sean Meyer okay all here today. That's big. Yeah. Michelle Nichols is on her farewell tour. She's, oh, wow. She is retiring from the convention circuit. You really do need to check the app. Uh, so, Michelle Nichols is here today, and I have had the chance to meet her. I've been blessed with the opportunity to interview her. Still one of the highlights of all the people I've talked to, of all the cons I've gone to. That is still like when someone asks who was some, one of your favorites. Oh, number one, Michelle Nichols. She is grace personified. Nice. I just, she
1: is. I have not had the pleasure, but uh, that sounds amazing. She is an absolute pleasure to be around. I tell you, um, interestingly enough, a rising star for me is an unlikely one, is Will Wheaton. Yeah? Honestly. Uh, I have
0: listened to. I don't know to- if you call it rising star. Well, I know. <laughs> well, rising to me. Okay.
1: Let, oh, I see, let, I let, see. Rising You're to growing me. on him. I, yes. He, yes, yes. Or he's I, growing on you, I should yes, say. Yes, because yeah. I. I have listened to a number of books, uh, uh, what it, uh, uh, Dancing Barefoot that he did, um, all the ones that he's uh, done audio recordings for, like um, uh, Ready Player One and Armada. Um, aside from being an excellent voice actor for that kind of thing, his books are actually very heartfelt, mm-hmm. and it gave me a new perspective on his... His time on Star Trek versus what it translated into his adulthood, and it was really interesting. So having uh, listened to that recently, the fact that he's here is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, no. yeah, and again, that's going to be a long line.
1: Yeah, no. it will be a very long line. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I don't know that I'll climb in it, but it'll be nice yeah. that it'll just be here.
0: Exactly, <laughs> and if it's a and a that we can manage to, to, to get oh, yeah. into, that'd definitely be one to check out. No, absolutely. I was just thinking there was Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner, yes. Is going to be here. I've met him too, but it was not the best of circumstances. I didn't have a great experience. I didn't have the experience that everyone else I've talked to that have met him has had. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. I, I take it all with a little grain of salt when someone tells me how awesome and great he is. I'm like, really? But I think in my situation, it was just... It was a bad situation. It
1: may be. Um, you never know. Catches the guy on an off day or something. I, I
0: think that's exactly what it was.
1: I mean, that in, interestingly enough, in the book that I listened to from Will Wheaton, uh, he talked about uh, convention fatigue. Where you show up in their day is key.
3: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. So when you're doing this all day <laughs> it yeah. gets a little long yep, for uh, yep understood oh okay. uh, and interestingly enough dating a uh, a okay. fellow geek um i get the female perspective of these things now
3: yeah and hey, nice.
1: it, it's kind of funny because she's very much into the photo op part okay. port and uh and, and visiting with uh the, her favorites and then you find out who's maybe a little more handsy than others <laughs> yeah i hear those stories too yes yeah i was a little i'm not going to go into detail but the, i was a little dumbfounded by some of the ones that i heard oh interesting y- yeah
0: yeah <laughs> we won't name names no we're like, not going to uh, name this particular names, no, recording no,
1: no, no. i don't want to ruin the fantasy for anybody <laughs> that might be listening
0: or, or ruin the surprise, <laughs> <Or> the surprise. <laughs> uh yeah yeah women watch your watch yourselves yes <laughs> Yeah, no, I've I've definitely heard of a few celebs that pe- there, there were a few husbands that were worried they weren't going to have wives at <laughs> <laughs> the time they got done with the photo op. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's that was a little much for the ones that I heard about too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we should probably take a few minutes to actually walk around the floor and just kind of get the lay of the land and see what is what. Uh, a lot of it looks like even a lot of the vendors aren't actually ready to go. We got a couple right. that still have tarps over their tables. VIP be damned. <laughs> they'll, they'll wait they'll wait till 10 when everyone else gets up, I guess. Absolutely. Although that t-shirt booth looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it got yeah, that's the last thing I need is any more t-shirts, but some <laughs> I'm looking at the ones with like the weird tails and things like that. I'm like that's pretty cool. I know I'll end up walking out with a new print or something yeah, from absolutely. today. I still have two from the last convention I went to that I haven't been able to hang up or put a frame on or oh, anything yeah? yet. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I bought them cuz I thought they would be really cool and everything, but they're a really odd size, so they're going to cost me an absolute fortune if I want to have them professionally framed. Uh, yeah, Cause you can't find you can't find just the off the rack. Oh no. Yeah.
1: no. That's, so, that's
0: rough, yeah. I think I'm probably going to spend a small fortune, uh, it's rather than a large fortune <laughs> and just maybe just have them mounted like on some foam core or Oh, something. there you go. There you go. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there.
1: Right. Let's go ahead and... Uh, yeah, let's take advantage of our VIP privilege for the yes, moment. Yes,
0: well, before it gets really crowded, we'll get a chance to really be able to see some stuff. And uh, if any luck, we'll be able a chance to talk to a couple of people. Absolutely. So let's get going. Cool. With that, we did some wandering around, checking out a couple of the vendors. Uh, not everyone was quite set up yet. But that's okay, because it was panel time. It was time for the first Q&A. And the first one of the morning was with Will Wheaton. Now, a lot of people know Will Wheaton from his years on Star Trek The Next Generation as Wesley Crusher. He's also become a staple in geek culture. He's shown up on Big Bang Theory. He's, done his, he's got his new show, uh, Tabletop. If you're in the geek culture at all, whether it be television movies or gaming, whatever, you know Will Wheaton. It ended up being a very interesting Q&A. Now, this first question will came from the moderator. He asked Will how it is that he even started in this crazy career. Wait,
4: um, okay, let's roll all the way back to the beginning. How, okay. How in the world did you get into acting in Berkeley? When I was 7 years old, my mother decided I was going to be an actor.
3: Um, <laughs>
4: it wasn't the thing that I wanted to do, and in fact, throughout all of my childhood, I consistently said, "Please don't make Uh, it was real important to her that, uh, that, that she used me to live her dream. And, and it was really tough. Uh, it was not what I wanted to do. But as it turns out, I was really good at it. Um, I was good at being a people pleaser. I have, uh, which is great when you're a kid in the industry, like you just do what the directors tell you to do. And as long as you can follow direction, you never stop working because there's kids who can't follow direction. Um, I always wanted to be a storyteller. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted—that's like—that's what I wanted to do. So I loved using my imagination to build the parts of the story that were not in the script. I loved preparing characters and imagining where they lived and who their friends were and what their life was like. Um, and that kind of sustained me throughout my childhood. Um, I was 12 years old when I was cast in *Stand by Me*, and. Uh, I was, uh, I turned 13 during production, and that, that was, that wasn't the first thing that I did, but it was very much the beginning of, like, my career, like, that was the thing that kind of brought me to people's attention, and it was... Um, I feel like, oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Um, uh, Both of you over there are great. I love you. You really let me down. And don't even try to bring it back around now because I know where you really stand. Um, No, 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 no. Don't. Save the sarcastic clap, sir. Um, uh, uh, but, But Stand By Me was this terrific experience for me. I got to work with an amazing director who for the first time in my career treated me like a person instead of like a puppet. To be moved around. um and uh, and I loved that and I loved Rob Reiner and I love that movie and I'm really proud of it and I'm really grateful that it is part of my career.
0: So yeah, that's an interesting way to start a career. One I don't think I've heard of in all the interviews I've done or heard, not many have come up with uh, their parents made them do it. Uh, That ended up being a big issue for him as he went on in his life. And he talked a little bit more about that, uh, especially when he started uh, teaming up with the Next Generation cast.
4: Um, And it wasn't really until Star Trek and the cast of Star Trek that uh, there were adults in my life who started to to express concern about my personal well-being. And uh, I am really grateful to the cast of Star Trek because they very much became my family. They loved me unconditionally in a way that my family of origin did not. They gave me love and support and guidance. They, they very much raised me, those, those seven adults, raised me and loved me and took care of me and shaped profoundly who I am as a person. So for people who grew up with Star Trek, and for people who were affected by Star Trek. Like those of us who love Star Trek, I love the original Star Trek. I'm a secular humanist because of Star Trek. Like, I, 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 the, the things that are important to me in my life equality, justice, uh, uh, environmental responsibility, uh, uh, the pursuit of science um, it all came out of Star Trek. So, for those of you who knew <laughs> about generation, so was I but in a profoundly personal way from from these actors. Um, And uh, I'm really grateful that as I enter middle age, uh, I still get to have the closeness and the love uh, with my Star Trek family uh, that I just never really got from my actual family.
0: At another point in the Q&A, Will Wheaton mentioned that he was very aware of what he was getting into when he joined the cast. He knew that Star Trek, you know, being on a Star Trek show was going to cement him in some history somewhere. The moderator picked up that and asked if he thought the rest of the cast felt the same way and has, has some great behind-the-scenes stories, including a story of how, well, his interpretation of how it went that Star Trek was able to get more than one season.
2: When you say you knew what you were getting into, that in the,
4: into the Star Trek you know. Yeah. Do you feel like everybody on the cast had that? No, I over to that goal no, yet? No, no, no. I know that they didn't, um, and I know that that for some of them, particularly Patrick, uh, they expected the show to last one season and then just be done. And and everybody expected us to go just one season. And if you've seen the first season, you will be very really surprised that we went like more than one season. There's like three high points and 20 low points uh, in, in that season. And uh, I don't know how many people know this story, but it is because of Whoopi Goldberg that we got a second season. Yeah. Travel with me back to 1988. Whoopi Goldberg is the biggest star on the planet. She has movies like Soap Dish out. She is, um, I believe she's already won the Oscar for The Color Purple. Um, she's, uh, she's in uh, uh, stand up specials that are all over everything in the world. Um, uh, everybody loves her. She goes to the head of Paramount and says, Hello, I'm Whoopi Goldberg. I'm the biggest star on the planet. I want to go work on Star Trek. And they're like, Oh, Star Trek is canceled. And she's like, Well, it's uncanceled. <laughs> Now, I don't know if that's actually how it happened, i I'd like to believe that's how it happened. And they were like, okay, we'll do one more season. And they built the 10 forward set and they gave her the role of Guinan and the show got better. We like just, we, as they say in television tropes now, we grew the beard and we figured out who we were. And that was the beginning of us really growing into ourselves. Um, I didn't think it would only be one season. I was like, it's Star Trek. It'll be on TV forever. Star Trek's amazing. So
0: I mentioned his show Tabletop, which was not a show I was familiar with, but it has been recommended to me by several people at the Comic Expo after it came up. But anyway, here's a, him discussing the uh, kind of the, the creation and the impact he feels it has.
4: Um, when Felicia asked me if I wanted to do a show where I reviewed more games. I said, you know what's better, like the best way to review a board game is to play it. And I said that and then it was just like, let me get these words out and try to keep up with my mind. And I was like, oh my God, it'll be like John Favreau's Dinner for Five meets Celebrity Poker, but with board games and we'll have interesting people come in and they'll play board games with us. And people who don't play board games will tune in because they'll be excited about the celebrities. And people who love the celebrities are going to tune in because they love the board games. We're going to put more gamers in the world and it's going to be amazing. And it turns out that we were right. <laughs> have when they play those games that makes you want to do it? I wanted to share with the world how much joy gaming brings to your life. Um, Gaming makes relationships stronger. It makes family stronger. It brings people closer together. And you're right. At a time in... And listen, and the world wasn't on fire when we started in tabletop. It's on fire. I don't know if you've been out there. It's on fire. Um, But the world wasn't on fire when we were doing tabletop. And even then I felt like People are just so isolated from each other, and and you cannot treat somebody around a table the way you talk to somebody in Overwatch. That just doesn't fly. And like, I want this environment to be the one that inspires people. I want this to be the norm. And uh, and by like anecdotally, it's worked really well. The I the number of families, how many family, how many people in this room are part of a family that plays tabletop games together? Right. It's amazing. It's so cool. Um, uh, I got an email from a guy once who told me my family and I, every night, we would have dinner together, and then everybody would kind of go off to their own corners and do their own thing. We started watching Tabletop, and now my teenage kids, who didn't want to have anything to do with me, are bringing board games to the dinner table and saying, can we play this after dinner?
0: So if you haven't been able to tell by now, family seems to be very important to Mr. Wheaton. Uh, He didn't really have one growing up and wasn't until he got into acting. So maybe it was a good thing his mom forced him into it because that's where he found his family, first with his cast members and then later with the general geek community. Mr. Wheaton has also become a strong advocate for mental health and kind of destigmatizing it. This is something that he has actually had to deal with, probably in large part due to the way his early life began. So anyway, there's a little clip. He, he can certainly probably explain it a lot better than I can.
4: Thank you for your question. I am doing my best to be the person I need in the world. I need people to be open and honest and fearless about mental health. I need people to remove the stigma associated with depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder and other mental health conditions because it's not our fault. It's not my fault my dad abused me. It's not my fault that my mom gaslights me. It's not my fault that my brain chemicals are weird. Like, I'm doing my best to live my best life. You're doing your best to live your best life. And there's no shame at all in having a chronic illness that you can't control. That's ridiculous. Like you wouldn't tr- You wouldn't get mad at yourself because you have the flu. You wouldn't get mad at yourself because you have a lingering cold that won't go away. You wouldn't be ashamed of it. You'd get some medication. You'd see a doctor. You would talk to people in your life. I'm not feeling too well. And then you would go on with your life, and you would get support from the people around you. We should treat mental health exactly the same way that we treat physical health. And somebody had to be the first. I don't know if I was. I think I'm the first in our community to talk about it. And I know that it affects our community probably in a greater percentage than it affects, uh, like, the muggle world, right? And, and I, I just thought, like, if I can help someone else not struggle and not suffer like I did, then my wealth, my privilege, and my celebrity will not be wasted. And I'm doing the best that I can to affect that change. Uh, Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. strongly believe that. I don't always meet my own ideals. I had a meltdown in the airport in Portland because a woman just like accosted me and then would not listen to me when I tried to explain to her why I thought it was inappropriate that she spent eight hours waiting for me in the airport and that I didn't owe her anything. And uh, uh this comes after a weekend of me telling people to be kind and compassionate and I was like I'm going to use every swear word I know because you have triggered me because you refuse to listen to me exactly like my mom and it was really really hard um, but you know its I don't think it's courageous I, I, I just I don't um, I think it's just honest and by refusing to be stigmatized I am empowered And that's what I hope to inspire other people to do with their
0: own lives. Fantastic stuff all around. It was a very interesting hour. I know it probably feels like I've played all the good bits, and that's not the case. I have just simply picked a couple gems out of what really the entire hour was just fantastic. I walked away probably more of a fan of Will Wheaton than I did when I walked in. Uh, He was always just a—he was that guy. He was that guy on Star Trek. He was the guy that was in that movie— never really thought much more about them, but after walking out of that I think I might actually call myself a fan so that was about it and we were getting hungry that was about 11 o'clock or so by the time we got done it was noon it was time for lunch so we went back downstairs to see if we could find some food and we not only found food we found some more friends that is good All right, we are enjoying some lunch now in the middle of the expo this is the post Will Wheaton Q and A uh, lunch recording here. I have to admit, I found that even more interesting than I was expecting it to be. I almost also find that that co- that
1: particular conversation could have happened anywhere. It wasn't really a Comic <laughs> Expo conversation. This was very focused on mental
0: health. Yeah. No, it was something that I honestly probably didn't know he was that involved in, or certainly I didn't realize it was something that he is dealing with as much as he has or is currently dealing with. Right. Uh, I, I had no idea. So, yeah, that's where I was saying that. I honestly probably gained a little bit more
5: respect for Will Wheaton than I might have uh, going in. Right. Well, and I knew he was involved in a lot of mental health issues and dealing with depression. I didn't realize how recently though it seems that he really feels like he'd come out the other side of that. Right. Oh and I know before we go any further, the voice you just heard, I
0: should mention Tom and I have been joined here by two more people. We've got Nick Brown of the B movie cast author of the Werewolf for Hire novels, uh, producer of several films <laughs> that we could go into, uh, Lost Prevention, which is one I really enjoy, uh, Rich, and you're working on another one now. Yep. Fall of Usher. Fall of Usher, looking forward to that. He is brought with him, a friend of his, this is Eric.
5: Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Time Shifters, Eric. I'm Nick Skrupe, model for the official Lost Prevention cast prop. That's that's actually one of the prop bags from the movie. Nice, because they make really nice computer bags too. And you guys believe in recycling? Exactly, exactly, big time. We are green (laughs) as the bag. As a matter of fact, everything I make out, I'm wearing, is made out of 100% recycled whale. (laughs) It's really environmentally friendly, except for the whales. Except what they did with the whale, it just beached itself. Well, that's it. But it's okay because we only use endangered whale meat, so it's good. And good. Now you've got this man's podcast bro by Green and Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> hey, another listener. I'm okay.
0: <laughs> i tell you, another thing that surprised me about the Q&A was actually, when it actually got to the Q&A, the people that were coming up and asking the questions, 99% of them were about the mental health work. It, the only questions about, like, his Star Trek career I'm came
5: out of the children. So, yeah, they right. were young kids. Well, and I think that's kind of appropriate because one of his comments was that dealing with depression and anxiety and things like that, there probably is a disproportionate correlation between fandom and the attraction to that and mental health issues, and that's not a negative thing, it's just... Well, it's kind of a, uh, it's a side effect. If it's something, you're, you're dealing with mental health, you
0: are more... Could possibly be more of the the shut in. I'm just going to sit around and watch TV and movies. I took that as a slightly different stance.
1: Um, I think he was talking about actors and Hollywood.
3: Oh, very I
1: awesome. I, I feel that's the uh, environment that he's talking about, where there's very possibly a large contingency of people that are they're Actually, having
5: problems. You know, I that's a good point, Tom, and I think. I'm not going to say you're wrong there, because I know a few actors, and some of them have uh, have been dealing with some issues. Well, and let's if you
1: think about what it takes to go in and be an actor, you are actively trying to be somebody other than yourself. Uh You're seeking identity. You're trying to share identity. You may be even looking for your own path to your identity as you explore all these different characters. It's therapy
0: on a stage. It sounds like listening to uh, Will Wheaton is a little bit of what he went through. Yeah. Like he
1: found family by doing Yeah.
5: So what have you guys thought of the show in general so far? Well, Seems like a really good show.
0: It, it does look so far. I mean, we honestly really just kind of did a real quick walk around before we met up with you, and before yeah. Will Wheaton, the, his uh, panel was the first of the day. Yeah. So the doors opened at ten. His panel's at eleven. I mean, we're only just past noon. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Yeah. So we haven't seen. All of it, certainly. <laughs> we just kind of, we kind of did the peripheral walk. Wait, there's more.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought yeah, this but geez, it was the panel show.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. And we just did the peripheral walk, and uh, again, some fantastic artists. I'm, oh yeah. Every time I come to these these expos, these these comic cons, whatever
5: show it is, it's always the artists that end up drawing me yeah. in. And there's some really talented people around here. Oh, definitely. And you know, one of the other things I love. The creativity of all the cosplay that we see at these things—you mm-hmm. know—it's just amazing. And we, uh, as we were coming in, we were in line behind uh, someone who did a Delenn from Babylon 5. Oh, I've really I have not seen that. Exactly, uh, I, I, have seen, I haven't seen Babylon I 5 cosplay that. at any show. Yeah, no, and she rare. Was so happy that I knew who she was. <laughs> oh, I have that got to find but, oh, that, okay. that would be amazing. And here's the thing, I don't ever really think about doing cosplay much, but if I were to do a cosplay, I would probably do Lando from, uh, from oh, Babylon be, 5. You would make a great lando. I think I could make a good Lando and do the talk like this. <laughs> the,
1: the thing I'm totally amused by is my 10-year-old son is in love with Lando. He thinks the character's awesome. Oh, he
5: yeah. is. He's my favorite character in that show. And he
1: hasn't even seen enough of the show. He just likes the purple outfit.
5: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, me too. I've never seen it.
1: <laughs> and the teeth. I think he likes that they're kind of like a almost a race of vampires. Mm.
5: <laughs> yeah. With really bad hair. Mm. <laughs> nope. Well... I'm just jealous of any race that has hair, so, you know. But that's the other reason I like Londo, because it really fits with my hairline.
1: Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And you'll look great in the fan
0: No, I think uh, the cosplay in general among the fans, I think, is great. I think I love the the different levels. Uh, You get everything from the guys that you tell people have put in hundreds if not thousands of dollars and have gone for the perfection and whatever and there's the others that are just like I just want the theme I just want the idea the guy that we saw upstairs dressed as a, a Matt Smith doctor yeah with a, the Cyberman handles but he made it out of a styrofoam head he just painted silver some aluminum foil it's like no it doesn't look like a Cyberman head but you know exactly well, what you it's know what it to is, be. like yeah. And it's great. Yeah, you know, I think that's really and it clever. He met his budget.
5: Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, that's another thing. Not everybody has $1,000 to spend on, you know, preformed uh, armor for a uh, stormtrooper outfit right, or something. Right, yeah. Not everyone can be here um, the 501st, okay. right? Um, but, okay. Now, on the subject of cosplay, though, what about that Tom that had the uh, Lost in Space set? That, that he brought really cool that was that's, that's probably been the most there, interesting bro. thing I've seen here he's done a fantastic job he's got uh, outfits
0: that he had custom made to match the look in like, Romania <laughs> yeah Bulgaria
5: Bulgaria Bulgaria, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. A, bu- a Bulgarian seamstress <laughs> makes it and sends it back to him. Which, has to be which, be an, how do you how do you find a Bulgarian seat internet? Never mind. Uh, it yeah, yeah. yeah. has to be an interesting conversation with a Bulgarian seamstress. Yeah. there's this show in America. It's called Lost in Space. Well, that's probably Here's just now picture. airing there for the first time. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's like a first show. <laughs> we love new show, Dukes of Hazard. Very funny. <laughs> Very funny. <Yeah. laughs> uh, no, but so he's got yeah the mannequins dressed up with these uniforms, but then the actual flight deck of the Jupiter Two and. It's got radar and working working instruments on the panel. It's amazing. Yeah, I
1: love how, hearing how he got a buddy that was like in the Air Force or something to actually mock up the panels and do it all from scratch mm. based off the uh, pictures and drawings they had.
0: Yeah, we'll find vintage switches and lights and everything that were of the era right. that you actually can use. And that is not easy to do to find the vintage switches. There, there aren't many places you can go to buy switches, no, period. Right, any, no, right, yeah,
5: exactly. And to bring it here. I mean, it would be one thing to do it in your basement and say, come to my basement and see it. Right. Well, remember, he said that was not his main setup. Right. That was right. his traveling setup. Right. And that's also why he didn't bring the robot. Right, here. yeah. I mean, there's a guy in upstate New York. So somewhere
1: there's a guy with a white panel van that will take you to go see his basement. I recommend you try to avoid <laughs> it. Right.
5: He also offers you candy. Yeah. <laughs> this is how I'm going to get kidnapped. Yeah. Apparently you can buy that sticker for your white panel van, by the way. Well, my, my general rule yeah. is if it's got shag carpet, I don't get in.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
5: now, there's a lot more to see yet,
0: too. Uh, someone I pointed out to Tom, I'll point out to you now, too. There's a man here. He goes by uh, his website, The Man Who Shot Luke Skywalker. He is the guy that did all promotional photography for Kenner back in the day during the Star Wars toy line. So all the pictures on the boxes and everything, this, this is the guy that did the shoot. Oh, uh, okay. I, I
1: was even just having a oh, conversation geez. with a friend how much I missed the old catalog
5: shoot. Oh, God.
1: Uh, yeah, at this those. time of year, you know, the catalogs come out, yep. toys. Right? And, and every kid would get that catalog, spend hours in front of the thing to, deciding what was next. But it was art unto itself, just seeing how they would set this up and shoot.
5: It was amazing. they built those, especially after Empire Strikes Back, and they would build all those elaborate Hoth scenes to sell the action figures. And I'm just like, oh! You know, because I grew up with that, just like you guys, and it's... I was totally, I want to build Hoth in my basement. Absolutely. How many
0: of us no longer have all the guns and stuff to our Star Wars men? Because we tried to... Yep. Set them up in the snowbank out in the front yard. Speaking of shag carpet, I lost many
1: a lightsaber oh, to yeah. the threads of a shag carpet. Yep.
5: Oh, yeah. There's a special uh, toy vacuum for shag carpets that will retrieve all your all your guns, all your BBs, all the uh, all the little things that shag I'm, carpet I'm convinced. I'm convinced that was the impetus of the Bagless Vacuum.
0: Was just <laughs> there you go. that way you could see there your little <laughs> treasure. <laughs> there so it is! All
1: that junk. <laughs> I can get it that back out now. I, I might save this yet.
2: Right. You got
5: one? We had a stone fireplace in my backyard when I was that age, getting Star Wars figures, and it was my fork So it is chucked full of all kinds of weird crap now. Remember I remember, I remember things I remember down that. it.
1: Speaking of the lightsabers in the carpet, this is not a joke. When my parents finally got rid of their uh, their green shag carpet in the house and I participated in the removal, I did find one of my lightsabers stuck down I in, in there, like...
5: Score. <laughs> that is, well, you know, and it had to be one of the, it had to be from the good generation of lightsabers, not the yeah. in-the-arms extender. Yeah, I right, hated that. Are, are you punking
1: the actual original?
5: I am punking it just a little bit. I hate to say it, you know. <laughs> okay, they built that tiny little extension tip just to be torn off. Oh, I, I, I
1: think if you still have a figure with the extension it's worth on a, it, it's at least $3 billion. Dollars. Yeah. So, those didn't make it making getting pulled out of the package uh-huh.
5: Now, Nick, is this the first time you've been up to the expo? Yeah, this is, and it's funny because I'm only about an hour and 20 minutes south of here, but I've never been to the Comic and Toy Expo in Cincinnati. A a lot of times it was happening on the same weekend as the Scarefest, and I used to do that uh, religiously. I was the uh, media coordinator for them. I kind of retired after last year, and uh, so this year I just decided I was going to come up here and check this one out. See, I'm gonna take this opportunity
1: to pick on something I saw literally on the news earlier.
5: Okay. They
1: were talking about all the activities that are going on down here in Cincinnati today, um, and they're talking about the haunt that's going on at Kings Island. Yeah. And the the reporter literally get, says something like, "Well, if you know, uh, the Walking Dead isn't your thing, you could then go to the Comic Expo." And I'm like. Mm. Uh, yeah, kind of lost that that was right. a comic book,
5: didn't you? Yeah. They, uh, Good research. <laughs> uh, God bless them. Well, this is expo number 10.
0: Yep. Uh, other than, I think I missed one year. Other than that, I've been to the expo every year since wow. the beginning. Wow! Uh, and it is- started out, it was a one-day event. They held it in the kind of the hallway
5: of Centas Center down there at Xavier University. Okay. Wow. Well... I'm looking around. I would say this is a 20,000-plus person event, easily. Yeah, I think that's so a... So it's outgrown the hallway. That's yeah. That's, <laughs> it's also a three-day event,
0: isn't it? It is yeah, a three-day yeah, day exactly. event now. Uh, I do believe that is about the numbers they talk about, almost 30,000. Yeah, yeah. The first, uh, if I remember, I read their history. They get their history on the website. Okay. That first day, I think they still had 1,800 people. Wow. wow. Which
5: is really good. For a small one-day event. So that pretty
0: much told uh, uh, Andrew Satterfield, as the guy who put that together, that pretty much told him, yep, I was right, Cincinnati needs this. Yeah. And uh, the next year it got a little bigger. I think it actually moved into the convention center. But it was just one day in, like, in a corner, just, like, the smallest area available down there. I and mean, then I think after that it grew into the three day. They expanded out. They expanded out, and now it's the entire convention floor plus the panel rooms upstairs. Yeah. Uh, it's it's done a, they've done an amazing job keeping this thing growing. Definitely.
5: And you know that's the thing. You the comic and toy expos like this. You know the Comic Cons. I think also have a real advantage because they can cross over so many different genres with what and who. What they attract as far as vendors, who they attract as far as celebrities, and you know who comes as fans, because you got people showing up who are fans of anime, sci-fi, horror, you know. Because I used to do a lot of horror-only conventions, and that was that's, those are fun, and they grow and they grow up pretty good crowds. But at the end of the day, it's a more narrow field that you're pulling from, right. you know, because some people just don't like they don't groove on horror. Well, and again, I've, and I said this before,
0: I'm not into the comics as much as a lot of other people are. But it, even I kind of look at something like this and see it, that it's kind of grown to the point where it's, although it's called the Cincinnati Comic Expo, it's really getting to be less about I, the comics. Right. I was literally about to go into, it, it, It's this is a pop
1: culture event. <laughs> it, it, uh, comics is part of it, especially since we're in the age that the comics have finally caught up and they're beating yep. everything that runs pop culture but it's so much more than that I mean like the panel that was coming in after Will Wheaton we didn't even really know what it was because it was sort of, it was more of a child thing my something or another uh, but uh um, but yeah, we're yeah, not going to say it because we
0: say it
5: and say right. it wasn't anything. People are going to like, what are you talking about? It's no, I like the know. most popular it, thing in the world. It, was, some, I, I it have, was something the kids today like, wasn't it, Grandpa? My, <laughs> my hero,
1: Academia. Uh, okay, um, I I will acknowledge that I don't know everything in every facet of uh, pop culture. I'm not going to try. So if this is the most popular thing ever and I have missed it, I will accept that I am a man in his 40s. <laughs> and I, it's probably not my deal. We're, we're but the point is, is it had an enormous line, and it, I don't know that that has any sort of comic origin. Well, yeah.
5: It, yeah, it really is anime pretty much strictly, and here's the thing. We got, you know, middle-aged white guy ignorance, and that's okay yeah, right. because we, the, all those kids walked right by the Jupiter Two set and didn't have a clue what that was. <laughs> shiny, <laughs> you know, right? That's it.
1: So, well, see, I can I can get along with that too. Uh, I was not much of a Lost in Space guy, so yeah. I'm like, yeah, ooh, shiny buttons, but not my thing.
0: Well, I think it's, I wasn't a huge fan of it either. I mean, I remember watching it yeah, when yeah. it would be on syndication or whatever, but I was never. I'm not what it, anything that you would consider. A fan of it or right. anything but it's kind of one of those things that I respect that it existed and what branched off from it I mean still that was like without that that's, you don't get the next thing and that, yeah. that is other where star trek was my gateway into like to the geek world lost in space to somebody else yeah. you know uh, so so yeah I acknowledge the the importance of this crazy little kids yeah. show you know well and it's and, and I which I know it didn't start out as a kid show but you've got to, it oh. turned into the monster of the week the giant carrot monster it was a kids show alright yeah <laughs>
5: Well, well, they yeah. were competing with the Batman show. Right. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. exactly what, yeah. why when they went color, they made it kitschy yeah. because they saw Batman was doing well, and they said, let's go that route. By
1: the right. way, happy Batman Day.
5: Oh, yeah, happy Batman Day. That's right, it's yeah. The 80th
1: anniversary of yeah. Batman. Yeah. I'm going to neatly tuck back into some of the stuff that Will Wheaton was talking about, which is... While we may, while we talk about these things that we don't know about, I would never be a gatekeeper to any of this. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, that's. Uh, it's awesome that all of this yeah. is here because it all feeds on itself. It really? all gives everybody a place to feel they can yeah, celebrate all, the things that make them happy. Yes. What gives us identity? I think and, I've,
0: I went okay. through that period. And I think most of us probably have. You also went through the
5: nachos. Yeah. <laughs> you blew through those nachos, dude. I like my nachos. That's all right. Whatever I the hell that sandwich was I <laughs> had was good. Yeah. I, um, <laughs>
0: I think we all go through that period as we're growing up in our in individual fandoms or whatever. When there's that that next iteration or whatever where you go, Oh, uh, but that's not really, you know, that's not that's really... you in Star Trek completely. Well... <laughs> No, I've I've accepted that there is newer Trek. It's just not for me. Right. And if you like it, I'm not gonna sit here and try to tell you that you're wrong. I'm just gonna I, I just have
5: to say it's not for me. There you go. Well, you know, you, you brought this up and I, I think about this a lot because I talked to a lot of my peers about the new Star Wars movies. And a lot of my peers don't are not fans. They just, oh no, this is awful blah, blah this is terrible. And my thought is Part of the problem is a lot of us who grew up and saw the original Star Wars, I saw it in the theater when I was seven. Same. And, you know, here's the thing. There was a certain magic that occurred when I was introduced to that. That will never occur again. Right. Yeah. A, I'm too old, and B, I just don't see anything else coming that would do that. You're not seven. And anymore. I'm not seven. Exactly.
3: Exactly.
1: But But you show the new stuff to a seven-year-old. And now, they And they think that's that wow. Yeah. Exactly. exactly.
5: And the problem is all of us, our generation, are looking for that same feeling from something that we aren't going to get it from. No, so I just accept it and enjoy the and, and here's what I would
1: challenge anyone. We're all fans of this stuff. We have things and we want to relive the experience. Yeah. But what I would challenge you with is try the new. Try yes. especially in a world where um, we're remaking everything, rebooting everything. Uh, and, and, and it's a testament to the fact that the stuff that we love Is loved by other generations they want to do it again it was a good story the first time we want to do it again but look for the new yes you want to have that experience find something new yes and be open to it
5: and i'll add on to that if you're a creative don't be afraid to do something just because nobody else has done it absolutely okay do do your thing As a writer, the key thing when I write is I write what I want to read. Eric? Any comments? How how was your sandwich? We need you to calm down, Eric. You're talking too much. How was your sandwich, Eric? The sandwich was excellent. All right, good. Good stuff kudos
1: to them yes. having uh, reasonably priced food at the uh, con yeah market yeah
5: market. definitely not bad
1: yeah i spent way too many times buying an 8 dollar hot dog and it's a hot dog in a bun yep. they have decent food here
5: yeah That's that good. was a, that was good food
0: and uh, well, they've done better in the uh, they've done better in the positioning of the food than last year uh, tom and i dealt with this <laughs> last year where it was like literally in the middle of the floor towards the back Oh, my oh, god. god It's where everyone everyone goes down the main roads and they have to turn to go down the other roads and right. then there's food and then there's food so right. people
1: didn't know the difference between trying to walk down an aisle or getting in line for yeah. food oh god so the fact that they moved this off to the side good
0: choice yeah, Thank good you. choice yep. so obviously the uh, the people behind Comic, Comic Expo listened to Time Shifters and heard
5: us obviously uh, appreciate yep. it appreciate I'm sure it. It. it's the you, only source of good ideas I'm glad you took yeah. the feedback yes <laughs> Speaking of listening to it and appreciating it, thanks for having us on today. By the way, yes, yeah, indeed, no, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. I'm glad you guys came uh, came down to the or came up to the yes. to the expo and joined us for a little while.
0: Hey. I think it's about time to start exploring a little I bit more. I was going to say the I crowds really... are the crowds have definitely built up. Uh, it was a slow start this morning. It was. We all thought we was a little like surprising how it was kind of like this is not a lot of people we expected a lot more people early on the Will Wheaton panel didn't fill
5: up as much as quickly that surprised me yeah you know, but my, my Hero Academia, they were ready. They were lined up around the building yeah. for it.
0: Yeah. Well, they literally it, kicked it us out. Been, <laughs> it may have been timing. It may have well. been just because it was the, the first panel. And, yeah. and People are, like, walking in the door. Maybe it's because I haven't been to some of
1: these in a while or, uh, or as many. Uh, but this one seems to go much later into the day that... The, the really bigger panel stuff, the, the Firefly ones, not till 5 o'clock in yeah, the evening. So this yeah. is going
0: to be an all-day event.
5: That's cool. Well, yeah. gentlemen, you want to hit it? Yeah, I
0: think we're ready. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll be back uh, later with more. Well, more wandering, checking out more of the dealers, which are now in full swing, The Artists. That is what always pulls me in is these people and their artwork. I always end up coming home with something. Well, almost always. I actually didn't come home with any real, nothing really big this time. But I came with a lot of business cards. So there's a good chance that something may end up on my wall. There's a ton of authors. Uh, I can't stop at every table because i want to buy every book because they all make them sound so interesting. Again, I take a lot of names, I take a lot of business cards. Doesn't mean these books won't end up on my shelf at some point. And then it was time for another QA. Another Star Trek celeb was there, Brent Spiner, another next gen you know, Commander Data from Next Generation. But this first question came from an audience member and he asked him about his work on the movie Out to Sea. Yep. Yeah. Do you all hear that? Can
2: you hear it in the back? Do you hear? You understood it? I mean, did you get it in the back? No. no. I know you heard it, but did you get it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he said you watch, worked on this movie, Out to Sea, with Jack <coughs> and Walter Matthau. And um, it, among others, yeah. Donald O'Connor, great dancer, Elaine Stritch, Diane Cannon, <coughs> me. Uh, yeah, that was, that was my favorite thing I've ever done. Ever. Uh, it was like... Dream come true to be able to work with those guys and just hang around them. And uh, I can tell you, I could spend this entire hour just telling you out to sea stories working <laughs> with Jack and Walter. I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I arrived on the set about ten o'clock the first morning, and, uh, no, actually, and you actually, know, I'll tell you a couple stories just because they're kind of fun. But um, uh, somebody, I was really nervous about working with. The And so uh, I, I knew my first day, I was going to work with Walter Matthau. And, oh and so I knew this woman who knew Walter. And she said, you know, Walter uh, is a, a trivia fanatic. He knows everything about trivia. Like every movie ever made, everything. And I said, OK, okay good. That would be a good icebreaker. So they, they put us both in the same car. We were driven to the location in the same car. And uh, I said, Walter, can I ask you a question? He says, sure. And I said, who played the, uh, Friar Tuck in Errol Flynn's Robin Hood? He says, why do you ask me this? And I, said, I said, well, uh, I'm told you know everything. And he kind of smiled. And he says, no, I only know uh, spelling and uh, How to Lose Money, and uh, he wasn't kidding either, because he had lost several fortunes at that point, but, uh, and he was a world-class feller. But anyway, we got to the set, we worked, and uh, we had one day working together, and then I was working with some other people in the movie, and about two weeks later, I had another scene with Walter and Jack, and and, um, I arrived on the set, and uh, Talking to the director, and then Walter comes in, and he walks up to him, and he says, "Eugene Pallet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was exactly right. That was the way I was to talked. But anyway, I, I, uh, one one time, Jack Lemmon told me this story that he uh, he was in a movie called <coughs> uh, the, "The April Fools," I think it was called. It was him, and um, I don't know who else was in it, but. Uh, He wasn't sure it was very good. They shot the movie, and he he just was feeling insecure about it. At the premiere of the movie, he invited Walter to come to the premiere, because he wanted Walter to tell him whether he was good in the movie or not. And um, so they watched the movie, and after the premiere, they're walking out. And Jack says to Walter, what'd you you think? And uh, Walter says, well, uh, can you get out of it? (laughs) <laughs> pretty good line, <laughs> you get out of it, uh, but yeah, no, was a dream come true working with those guys, fantastic. And I became really pretty good friends with both of them, uh, particularly Walter, uh, he and I became really good friends. Jack lived up the street from me, and I used to see him walking his dog and we'd meet and Jack for a while, but it really was, they were heroes of mine growing up.
0: So you get a little bit of a sample of the uh, humor Brent Spider brings to his panels. The whole hour was a little bit like that. He is definitely a very, he's a comedian and is a force to be reckoned with. Maybe that's why they didn't do the moderator. We're not sure. I think Tom and I actually discuss a little bit of that later. Anyway, I got another clip for him. Of course, you got to talk a little bit about Next Generation. So this was his his memory from the earliest days to kind of how it and the rest of the cast developed over the years.
2: What was it like on the what? The early days. The early days on Next Generation? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. It was different um, than, uh, than it got to be. Because in the very early days, uh, Patrick was a completely different guy than he became. He was, um, do you know what a stick in the mud is? <laughs> do you know what I'm having a stick? No, I won't say that. <laughs> But well, he was—he was, he was uh, from the Royal Shakespeare Company, and he came on, and he was, you know, very important. And uh, we were wild, the, the rest of us. We were terrible, and um, it was so loud. You know, the way it goes on a set is, uh, if they have sound, they go, "Okay, we have sound. We have speed," and uh, they say, "Okay, we're rolling and action." And we act. Uh, and it got to a point, first it was like we have speed, and then we'd stop clowning around and straighten up, and then we'd do that. Then it got to be uh, rolling, and we'd stop. And then finally it was like action was what stopped us. And um, so we had a director who was uh, a, a wonderful director on an episode, and he, he just couldn't take it because we were so loud and so yeah, boisterous. and. So he, he uh, our producer Rick Berman called us, and he said, I, I need to meet with all of you guys. Meet me in uh, the captain's radio room. I need to talk to you. So we came and he says, look, we have this really good director working for us who refuses to come back and ever do another show. He said, this is the last time, because these people are just loud and you know, too much. I can't take it. They won't stop. And um, so, uh, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick says, I have never in my life seen anything like this. And Denise Crosby said, uh, well Patrick, we, we just want to have fun. Here. Fun? <laughs> We're not here to have fun. We're here to work. And, uh, Jonathan was crying. <laughs> We were all like, "Oh, ooh, gosh, sorry, man. we got to be serious now. The rest of the, you know, our lives." And, um, so it had to be the episode, by the way, where it was Denise Crosby's last episode, where she met her demise in the uh, pool of Metamucil. And, uh, which is what that was actually. And, uh, and so. Uh, Later in the day, there was this hill, this really beautiful grassy hill that Patrick had to give uh, a eulogy to Tasha Yar, who had met her death, and um, he was up on the hill, and all of a sudden he started swirling around and he goes, THE HILL!
3: That's it, you
2: know, it's over, and he became one of us at that point. And we never looked back. We were terrible the rest of the run.
0: That's what we were at the beginning. So yeah, there's a uh, there's Brent's memories of the early days, and with a very good Patrick Stewart impression mixed in. I thought that was uh, a was definitely a crowd favorite. <laughs> he is he like I said he is a comedian. He uh, definitely plays with the crowd, and he's been doing this long enough, probably maybe more than a lot of others. And he's just he takes it to, the, to that next level. Well, there was one more Q and A. We stopped in that was uh, right after the Brent Spiner one. We decided we were there. We had the passes that you know allowed us to stay in the room. We didn't to go back and line back up or anything. And it was the Firefly panel. They had Joel State, uh, Sean Mar, Marina Bachrach, and Alan Tudyk all in attendance. And the four of them came out. And unfortunately, was not terribly well directed. They had a really great table set up for four people with four mics which they didn't know that they were supposed to go to. So the four of them just all sat down on a couch in a chair in the center stage and ended up sharing a couple mics. And so most of what was said was kind of missed because everyone just was having their own little conversations that weren't getting picked up by the microphone. So I think this could have been a fantastic panel. As it is, it turned out to be an okay panel just because we couldn't hear everything but anyway i got a little bit and you'll definitely get some of the humor and some of the fun rapport between these four and uh yeah well i'll just play it and you can hear for yourself um anyway my question is
4: what was your favorite part in shooting the movie serenity what was your favorite part of serenity? <laughs> serenity is what she said um uh this is a, uh, you get your kit, This is a DVD set of Monty Python. <laughs> it's a gift from a manager a long time ago. They're all on My favorite part of shooting it was, um, uh, I like the costumes. I like the production. I like that our, our set shook. A pilot. It was made it easier. I didn't have to act as much. Whenever things happened, the whole actually the thing went
6: as opposed to us doing the you know, the Shatner. <laughs> I liked the day that we were all out um, and and it was the funeral scene and we're all there and Nathan lost his shit a little bit and did the whole baby Jesus thing. <laughs> that funeral. I, I can't repeat what he said because it was too good like it was he just took the lines and changed all of them
3: <laughs>
6: and pointed out some kid who was taking a dirt nap with baby Jesus <laughs> it was like, it's in the outtakes I think it was, it was really funny we thought he was he had gone out of his mind we're all trying to stay stay in the scene and it was very emotional while crying all like in the scene and, and he started to book a and he started making fun of it and we're like is he serious? <laughs> front and center, he's our foot
3: ornament. river's uh, right on the ship, yeah. I like making out with you. <laughs>
6: Upwards
4: of, like a yeah, like so many cakes. and Joss, Joss, kept using the word "hungrier." <laughs> 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 I just, just wanted like I just to just ravage each other. It's gotta be hungrier too, and I'm like. <laughs> Up there waiting for us to get it right <laughs>
6: really at Universal Studios. Oh, yeah, because we were waiting around for like eight hours yeah. one day and then we came back and we're all red eyed. It was a really awful scene that someone has to do like all these crazy stuff, yeah. but we were just kind of sitting there. And, uh, that was, it was, that it one was shot. our last, day. last it, day, it was that one and shot
4: where and she goes,
6: Well, she you've been shot and she's over you, and, sh- and you say, I'm sorry, and she. You've always done everything for me. My turn. And right. gets up in and runs down the hall. So we were waiting. Yeah. We were waiting to be in that. Uh, in that scene. We didn't really have anything <clears throat> to do. Substantial. To to so, so we drank wine. <laughs> me, Eugenia. You, yeah. and like, someone I don't know it where. Like, wow. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you were dead. So you went there. <laughs> Jewel, it's too soon. Spoiler alert.
3: Spoiler
6: alert. Uh, My my favorite part was the fact that we got, we were so, we were in Universal Studios, basically, and being employees of Universal, we got to ride the rides whenever we wanted to. Do you remember when I made you go in the Van Helsing haunted house? And you were so mad. I hate haunted houses. I hate them so much. And there was this (laughs) Nigga, fool! So came This close to my— th- I thought he was gonna like attack me, and then he gets pulled back because he's on like a rubber band wire. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. She was like, I don't, I don't want to do anything scary, and I was like, we're not. This is a costume house. <laughs> have
3: costumes
6: for Van Helsing. and you just look at them. You just walked through and looked at them, and then we got there, and you were like, you, I hate you. And it was great. That was
3: my
0: favorite part. Yeah, I should have mentioned, Alec Tudyk had a bag of stuff. Uh, He admits most of it was just crap. Anyone who asked a question got a little something out of this bag. Sometimes there were just pages from scripts. Uh, He had a... A receipt, a, a pass that got him into Juilliard <laughs> or something for a for a speech. Uh, yeah, the woman that got the DVD set, uh, she got the first question and she could probably got the best prize. Everything else was just uh, well, it was crap. But he would sign it, so you got Alan Tudyk's autograph on some crap if you asked a question. So it was it was fun. I think if I ever get a chance to go to another panel with him, I will definitely do it because yeah, I think he I think that'd be a good time. So that was about towards the end of the day. We had said goodbye to Nick and Eric, and now it was time to kind of uh, make that last round and then say goodbye to the Comic Expo. Okay, we are recording. All right, we are back where we started this day. (laughs) It has been a fairly long day. It is uh, 6.30-ish, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we started the day at 9.30, so <laughs> yeah. it day. We've
1: been here quite a while. Yeah.
0: Um, Longest one of these I think I've
1: been to. Yeah, it, I don't
0: think we were here near as long last time. I think we came later and finished earlier. Yeah. Uh, but th- there was some stuff that actually, you know, we kind of talked ourselves into staying for a little bit. Uh, the uh, uh, big Q&A with all the Firefly cast yes. was at the end of the evening, and we are like, do you want to stay, I yeah, mean, yeah, we're already here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We just finished Brent
1: Spiner, uh, uh, which that was pretty good, uh, and like, kind of like there was no reason not to. And let's not stress enough that we had VIP, so we didn't have to go anywhere to exactly. get back in a well, line. Yeah,
0: I thought that was. I actually kind of like that. Uh, yeah. That's how they handle the uh, the Q and A rooms. Yes, is they the general admission folks? They clear it out. They clear the room out, and let. Yeah, and let make you queue back up to come back in. Right. I mean, I've definitely been to cons before where it's people just going in; they camp out. That's right. where they sit the whole time. Yeah, there. And you they're get enough people doing that, it, you know, it can kind and of ruin it, it for a lot of other people.
1: Yeah, and then also for those that did actually spend the money, I mean, press credentials aside, if you spent money to be here you want to feel a little yeah. elevated
0: in yeah exactly I mean, so. the VIPs get they get in a little earlier which yeah. as we saw the con was like practically empty even the VIP it was, this is a big space so yeah. honestly they could get like a couple hundred VIPs and you're still not going to be stepping on anybody right uh, and you really get a chance to really get to all your stuff all of the stuff quick oh yeah Queue up, get the first in line at the celebs or whatever it is you yeah. want to do. Get sit,
1: sit as close as you could possibly get to whatever yeah. you're comfortable. I'm always amazed though. Even the the, the uh, Firefly portion was going to be a big deal. They packed the room uh, for that one, mm-hmm. and I still thought it was funny how many people from the VIP section still kind of hung back in the room. They like didn't want to move forward. Right, it's- I'm like. You kind of paid for the closer
0: experience. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I find <laughs> that interesting. Weird. I mean, I, when I go into it, I'm always, uh, I'm of the thought that I was like, well, I'm going to let, first of all, people that paid. Right, right, right. Because right. we are really blessed to, to have been yeah. granted the press credentials. So yeah, we, absolutely. We do, so we have access to the thing for free, right. which is great, much appreciated Cincinnati Comic Expo. Yes. So when I go in, it's kind of like. Yeah, the front row, that's let, let the, That's for the people that actually paid for the privilege to be there. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, the, the fact that the, a lot of people come in and they're like, they sit in the back. They, like,
1: really? They, they still sit in the back. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, I mean, it's the personality type in some cases and all that. They're still just as nervous to be there as even though they
0: paid for the privilege to have that experience.
1: Right. So I find that it, uh, that's amusing to me.
0: The Brent Spiner and the Firefly both were unmoderated Q and As. They just kind of let them come out and do their thing. Starting with the Brent Spiner, I honestly think maybe
1: could have well should have been should have been moderated. Yeah, I I think you need a primer to the 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 whole thing. Um, Start the conversation. Get the uh, get the personality that's up on the stage. Uh, kind of into it, set a tone, set a flow, get some good conversation going. That way, the questions that come out are also not quite as cold. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like I think the reason the Will Wheaton went the direction that it did is because the moderator, that one was moderated, right. the moderator started out talking to him about his work with uh, the mental health issues and stuff Absolutely. like that. And so when the questions got up there, that's where a lot of the it focus made was. made it
1: a more mature, more sophisticated conversation. It made it a conversation. Right. As opposed to, I just want to know... Did you like something? Yeah,
0: episode twelve.
1: Uh, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because that that was the part that uh, was starting to dry, and then they didn't do some technical things it, during the uh, the uh, Firefly portion uh, because the the cast didn't quite know that they were supposed to go to one table versus where yeah. they did end up. Yeah, so they weren't yeah. mic. A little
0: bit more direction yeah. from the
1: staff, and, the and it, it which was a shame because one person did have a good question about. Uh, um, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the the wanting to know what was some of the funnier things that happened, and they really got on something. But the problem is, is couldn't you hear? A you couldn't hear a thing about it. They're They're having a very inside moment, and none of us have any clue what's going on. Yeah. And then it was like, ah,
0: oh, that was kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah. The Brent Spiner, he comes out in the first five ten minutes of it. Felt like the Brent Spiner Comedy <laughs> Hour. You know. Kind of does his thing before he finally says, "Okay, let's." You know, yeah, he's kind of doing a
1: questions. stick. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. And well, so and
1: more to the point, too, uh, if we're talking the technical parameters of the the Comic Expo itself, um, the people didn't even realize that. It's straight Q&A. Just go straight to the mic. Because, I mean, you'd only have, like, one person hanging out kind of ready.
0: Yeah, Brent, actually, it it was like he was wasting time. Yeah. Because he was like, well, doesn't anyone have any questions for me? Right. Is there no one in line? Yeah, so I'm
1: not quite sure what changed from the
0: morning to the afternoon. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know if that was, is that a request by the the celebs themselves? Sure. Did he not want a moderator? Did he just want to do the Q&A and not I, I, don't don't, know. I, I don't I, I know. Really don't know uh, comic expo okay, look into that yeah absolutely <laughs> if you need extra moderators uh, yeah, time yeah, shifters no. is available and, and as
1: a sub uh, presenter and all, I, I don't mind offering my
0: services for that.
1: I'll start any conversation with anyone. <laughs> absolutely,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think of the Brent Spiner? I mean, that was. I, I, have you ever seen him? No, the, no, no, no. Before, I, I, this or? was my
1: first time seeing him in person. Uh, like I've been commenting all day. Shorter guy than I expected. <laughs> um, especially when you uh, when you picture his character on Star Trek and all that. Um, you got the insen- impression that he was of, of a certain size and all that. Now it's kind of making uh, how much movie magic was involved in making him have more presence, because he was not, I mean, he might have been my height or less. Right. Um, so at 5'9", I'm okay, I'm average, but I think he was actually shorter than that. Uh, the other part, uh, which was interesting with Brent Spiner, is uh, he's a very sarcastic person um uh you can see where uh having a conversation with him could be a little off at times because unless he's in the moment or something
0: he's gonna be a little snippy <laughs> yeah and maybe that has something to do with the lack of a moderator too because how do you try to rein that in yeah no
1: no, no. you got to be able you got to be prepared to roll with it and uh um, as we were discussing earlier, I don't know if he'd be the kind of person that would respond more to someone being a smart ass back at him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I can see him really going to task if someone kept trying to pull attention, it back. Attention, attention. Right. The show floor will be closing in less than 15 minutes. At 7 o'clock, head to the third floor for the junior, to the junior ballroom for the after party, which will go till midnight. Yeah, oh, wow. I'm pass on the after party. That's yeah. amazing. Gonna go to midnight. Yeah, but so maybe uh, Brent Spiner, trying someone trying to rein him in, trying to rein him back to conversations. I could see him you'd have to, getting a little annoyed with that, maybe.
1: You'd or have or to maybe learn to not roll not right with word. it. Or, uh, yeah. No, like he, he was actually very interesting to listen to, but it, it, you could see where maybe, maybe, I don't know, he's jaded, he's done this too long. Or something, but uh, you could see where maybe asking some of the same things over and over again start to get wear on him. Mm -hmm. But when he gets in a groove, he's very entertaining about the whole thing. And you can sense the comedian in him, he wants to do the funny thing.
0: I was glad that not all the conversations, or not all the questions, excuse me, not all the questions yeah. were necessarily Star Trek related. Right. There was uh, people asking him about his uh, his jazz albums. Yeah. Which, uh, that was interesting, and he seemed actual... Other you know,
1: film experiences mm-hmm. and uh, time, like, he got a Frasier question. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which led into a very interesting story with uh, time that he spent doing work with Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, so. for, on a stage play. Right. Right, yeah, it was really uh, and, and I think. I think that's what I'm loving more and more about these is it's, well, Chris and I have been to a lot of these over a long period of time, starting back You've when we were 16.
0: definitely seen an evolution in the right.
1: con experience. Yeah, so they are becoming more sophisticated, more mature. People want to know really serious things or more in-depth things, even if they're not serious. They just want to know more about the experience of the actor being with other actors or the process or any of that. And it's less about, did you like being
0: that character? do you think the internet kind of plays a part in this? Because now we have a lot more access to the lives beyond the TV shows that these people may be known for. I I think there's a bit of that.
1: Um, um, I think there's probably also a sense of... That has worn out its welcome. Like, uh, that's the stuff that still gets made fun of. That uh, The old con kind of stuff. That's the stuff that's satirical and all that. Mm-hmm. So now I think it, it's more in vogue to have a more... A deeper conversation so you don't want to be that guy that asks the lame question you want to ask the serious one yeah, so.
0: leave those questions for the little kids <laughs> yeah you know, the, yeah and and is, then do you really go into space? I thought that was actually yeah, kind of
1: cute. That, that was very cute but, uh, but uh, she was age appropriate for asking yeah, exactly. it's really rough when a 30 <laughs> something
0: asks that <laughs> yes. um, but yeah uh, the Firefly cast um, yeah again that one definitely could have used some moderation and they, a little bit of direction they, they had a table set up, a mic table for four guests, which they didn't know that they were supposed to use. They came on and <laughs> sat on the center stage on the couch and shared two mics. Well, right, because I think uh, the, the folks that, that
1: that were at least running the event, they only showed them out on the front stage, which right. is the first thing they see in their chairs, so they sat in them. Uh, I felt Alan Tudyk was too funny because he... No, he was um, He... Uh, he made. I, I, he was both poking fun at the fact that they weren't provided any direction or any moderation right. by having his own little version of a talk show yep. that then the others made fun of him for trying to do. Yes, because they too were seemed a little confused that there was oh, nobody. Yeah. Like, kind of running is there
0: like is Alan really moderating this? I mean, yeah. they're looking for a moderator. Right. Well, they yeah. didn't even know that
1: they weren't going to be moderated. Right. <laughs> and I'm not sure where that got lost in translation, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah uh, all the uh, talk of uh, how they uh, we couldn't hear some of them sometimes because they were sh- between four people they were sharing two mics right. and one of those mics would make it out into the question panel too yeah so that was terrible but all that aside I just like their energy um, I like uh, how well they they react together uh, I like him. Sean was uh, uh, funny because he's just the quiet guy, but he was the quiet guy in the show. So right. it, you could see how um, they were they were well-chosen for the parts well that they cast. played. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. No. And they
0: definitely have the chemistry. You can tell that they bonded. Yes. It's amazing that you know, the show was only on for a season. You know, They worked maybe six months out of that year and then did... and did the the Serenity film, which was probably only a few months of a shoot. Right. And yet these guys have bonded to the point of, I mean, they hang out together. Absolutely. They used to hang out. uh, It sounds like they often went out to Nathan's house, as they (laughs) kept saying. Remember we went to Nathan's house and you got Uh, drunk and fell in the hedge? I was (laughs) starting to get
1: a little worried for them, the amount of uh, alcohol that was involved in the conversation. (laughs) Uh, But... But at any rate, yeah, no, at this point, you kind of wanted the camera to follow them to the after party for the shows as much as you would have wanted to see the show.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I think it would have been just as entertaining watching all of them play Pictionary together. Right. (laughs) As it would have been to see them act on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a group of people that you thought, I could
0: have a lot of fun just hanging out with them.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And they definitely seemed like they had a lot of fun. and. Hanging out together then, and they obviously take advantage of it when they show up. Yeah, when all of them end up, or one or two, or two, or three, or in this case, four of them all end up in the same con together. I thought that was uh interesting. Uh, when they were asked
1: uh, the question about um, when did you realize how big Firefly actually was? Yeah, it was a good and, question, actually. Uh, it was a good question, and to think they didn't realize that until they were at uh San Diego on the panel while they're making the Serenity movie and they realize when 3000 people show up well, to see it, them and
0: they said it was probably more i think was, they were probably in like the hall H or whatever right. is the famous one so it was like 5 6000 people right and i'm sure it's standing
1: room uh, it's probably standing room only at this point um, yeah and they they're, it's, attention, they're attention. not aware that the show late so will
0: be closing in less than 10
1: minutes we are running we're this show out.
0: That's right. Yeah, so that's probably a good cue for us to wrap this up. Before um, we're hauled out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, uh, the, the VIP passes will only get us so much, you know. Um, they will not let us stay after hours. Uh, well. what, what fun could we have at a con yeah. after everyone leaves, you know. Mm. Get out all the toys and play, you know. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna have a big transformer battle right here in the middle.
0: <laughs> I uh, real quick though, just yeah. a few minutes. I mean, yeah. What was your impression of the con overall? Um, the, you you actually did find some prints. You, oh you yeah, found no, no. a Few prints. You you did more than I did as far as the purchasing goes this time around.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I spent way more money way too quickly. Uh, uh, but. Uh, The thing I'm marveling at most is my biggest find here uh, has nothing to do even with pop culture. Uh, One of the artists had these wonderful, uh, uh, very uh, kitschy uh, uh, paintings of uh, the Cincinnati area, icons in the Cincinnati area. And me being out of the area these days, I thought between the art that he's done... And a little touch of home that that was awesome. So, yeah, yeah uh, and he, it was actually a really good deal. But, uh, yeah, no, that's what I came away with was the stuff. The artists, uh, the artists are really amazing. There's some really neat stuff here. In fact, what, the other artists that we really enjoyed, um, he, he's not really doing anything pop culture themed. They're, no. they're very stylized. Uh, all, like, it's like paint splattered on canvas, only it's a poster, Uh, So they have texture to them and all that. So,
0: yeah,
1: that's what I'm taking away from this. That and the, um, as early as we got here, as slow as it seemed, it definitely got big fast. And
0: and stayed steady. Because, I mean, we, uh, it was slow. We went up to the panel. We came down. It was packed. Oh, yeah. We wandered around for several hours. We got lunch. We did everything. Yeah. The levels didn't drop. Right. Not until we went upstairs again for another two late panels in the afternoon. We come down and you know it's six o'clock. Obviously, an hour before it closes or whatever. Yeah, now the levels have, have started to drop, but right. through that day. Well, and they
1: drop because everybody's upstairs. That's true. That's <laughs> They're true. all in the comic or the the uh, costume contest right now, and, and that's after leaving all the other panels. Right. And the bigger, uh, more popular panels. Um, we're all at the end of the
0: day anyway. Yeah. So. Which I thought was a little a little odd to have put them kind of like some of your biggest draws right at the end of the day but yeah you know well maybe that's a maybe you know keeps people here and and going back
1: to what we were talking around the lunchtime uh, strategy
0: yeah well maybe
1: Uh, uh but what we were talking about around the lunchtime was uh that uh this isn't really about comic books necessarily like the big panels They all involved... uh, Granted, there are comic book versions of Star Trek, and there are comic book versions of Firefly and Serenity, but the big uh, draws here were
0: uh, from pop
1: culture shows.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's interesting, and I guess it'll always be called Cincinnati Comic Expo. Sure. But... Why ruin the trend? Yeah, it's definitely grown beyond that. Uh, Maybe they could Cincinnati Pop Culture Expo, (laughs) maybe, uh, for the year
1: 11. But you know, if it keeps the show going, call it whatever you want. Uh, Exactly, that's true. Yes, because either way, uh, this is my second year since I've not been in town since they started the thing, but my second year... I'd happily come for the third. Great. Uh, Good. Yeah. I hope you
0: come back. Yeah. We plan- I have every intention of coming back next year. Oh, excellent. Then I will come. I'll be <laughs> interested to see what guests they pull in again, you know, um, and what right fest- festivities, you know, they, they, they do. Um, yeah, as far as, you know, purchasing and everything, a little, uh, little light for me this year. The dealer room. <laughs> Probably didn't. to your benefit. Probably. The dealer room <laughs> really didn't uh, get me this year like it has in years past. But, uh, yeah, my, my pocketbook is okay with that. <laughs> uh, but I had fun at the panels. <coughs> they, were, Absolutely. they were good. They were entertaining. They were interesting. A couple of them I'm going to have a hard time f- trying to cut out bits. Right. Uh, and to, uh, to figure out what I'm going to share and how much I'm going to share. Because there is so much of the stuff that was just like, and this, which leads into this. And it was like, right. wow, I don't want to put, I can't put the whole thing, you know, <laughs> no. on there. It'll get, No, but,
1: uh, yeah, definite note to the people that run this place, make sure you have a moderator for
0: for every every panel. Even if it's only up there for five minutes, just get the ball rolling. Even if it's just to let the audience members know what it is that's going to happen. If it's strictly an Q&A, announce that. Absolutely, yeah, because, yeah,
1: the crowds just didn't. In those last two, the crowds just didn't even know to get started. And and then because the flow changed in the uh, Firefly one, they were shuffling people around in the middle of it all. It was that part was a little chaotic, but otherwise a great show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone uh, has not already had a chance to see the Firefly cast and a panel together, don't yeah. don't pass it up because it is it is a it is a something to behold. Yes. And Alan uh, I, I, I Tudyk's uh, gifts to everyone who asked the question <laughs> were uh, pretty astounding. Now, now I wish I had gotten up. <laughs> You, you just too, to get some random. Pizza. You two could have got some instruction booklet to a <laughs> toaster oven or something that he happened to have lying around. And the idea that he carries the stuff so yeah, that adds it. it to the cons. I think it's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, that's going to wrap it up. That is our day at Cincinnati Comic Expo. Uh, Tom, thanks for joining me again for this. Sure. Uh, yeah, I hope you come back next year. I will. Uh, I'll keep you posted. And then... barring some other event, yes, uh, I will absolutely make the drive back. Excellent. And yeah, and thanks Cincinnati Comic Expo for putting on another great, great show. I mean, yes. it's been a fantastic weekend. Yes. Thank you for having us. So that's it in a nutshell. That is only, I mean, we just scratched the surface of the Comic Expo. If you ever get a chance to come to Cincinnati, do so. It's always in September. I actually think it's going to be a little earlier next year. I think it's the 11th or 10th, something like that. So it's in the first half of September instead of the last half. Come and check it out. I I think you'll have a really great time. Thank you very much, Expo, for giving us the access, for letting us come down and wander around and and sit in on these Q&As. Always. It's just so much fun. Thanks again to Tom. Um, In case you're curious, Matt did go to the Expo. We did not bean up while we were down there. You know, Tom and I spent so much time in the panels. We really couldn't get back down to the floor and meet up with Matt. But he was there with some friends as well. Uh, you'll hear a little bit more about that on our next actual regular episode. We do talk a little bit about that at the beginning. So, yeah, so get that to look forward to. All right, thanks for listening. This has been a long one now, but I think it's good content, right? I mean, anytime you can hear stuff coming from the expo that you weren't there, I mean, that's that's cool, right? I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back in, uh, well, just a few days, actually, and you'll hear Matt and I Uh, discussing uh, the stone tapes, kind of a spooky ghost story to start October. I'm starting to ramble, aren't I? All right, I'm going to say goodbye. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time, and hopefully next year, I'll see you at the Cincinnati Comic Expo.